Hi, everyone. No, I sound like a kindergarten teacher. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to another episode of our quarantine edition episodes. I don't know what we're calling them. Our, our <laughs> pseudo season five. <laughs> yeah, season five junior. I didn't set out to make a season five, but it basically is one. Maybe at some point well, this will elevate to even a fuller realized season. But for now, just some quarantine updates still, and we're still having fun with it. Yeah. How are you doing? How's your week? You know, it's fine. I'm getting to that, like, over it point. Yeah, me too. Of quarantine where I'm like, I'm over quarantine, but I'm also not prepared to go, not prepared and not feeling safe enough to, like, go back to work and can't, obviously. And then, like, so many people are still not wearing masks and doing their thing. And it, I don't know, it's everything. Also, I'm realizing that the construction site that I live across from that I thought was not gonna, like, penetrate my apartment in any way, now I can hear it fully. Yeah, I can hear it too. (laughs) They haven't done work at all in the so far until this very minute (laughs) whatever I guess I can't go knock on the crane and be like excuse me sir (laughs) can you please stop I'm recording Um, a podcast (laughs) (laughs) but otherwise like I guess I guess everything's like fine like I it could be a lot worse I'm very well off right now still so so truly nothing I can like complain about with any validity yeah same how are you pretty much the same right now I'm lying in bed with Sia my cat I was with my other cat was here too but he just got up and left I don't know why I guess he doesn't like the podcast does not subscribe on patreon yeah speaking of which if you want to subscribe on patreon (laughs) (laughs) you can go to patreon.com slash one more thing we just released a really fun episode that, that people are loving, so. Yeah, people are really excited about it. But you'll never know what it is unless you become a $5 patron. <laughs> so you're in bed. Yeah, as I have been on my, I feel like I update my close friends Instagram story a lot. And I'm sorry if you're a friend of mine and you're listening and you're not on it, just tell me you want to be on it and I'll put you on. But I, I update it a lot, but I'm always in bed when I update it. That's really true. You're close friend story is basically like what it life from inside of your bed (laughs) so I feel like I need to start mixing it up and like going on the couch or like standing in my front yard you know that I'm a big advocate of you taking your close friend story public because I think you are so funny in your close friend story and then it switches to your public one and I'm like uh not as good well okay Here's the thing. 1% of our listening audience will care about this, but now someone famous follows me. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) As of yesterday, Sarah Shulman follows me on Instagram, so I can't just be like, I don't even know, like, the shit I do on my close friend's story. I can't just be like, ooh, I'm digging around in my bed, because Sarah Shulman will unfollow me. (laughs) I think she would have liked my Jesus Christ Superstar story, though. Oh, that was my favorite story of yours, I think, in a really long time. <laughs> I'm so glad. I laughed very hard at it. Um, so I guess follow us on Instagram for quality content. <laughs> yeah. I feel like 
a lot happened this week, but also nothing at all. Well, I was telling you before I before we started recording, one of my news stories that I was going to talk about, I was like really excited to talk about, and it turned out it happened in August of 2019. So I'm I'm not going to talk about it because people probably already know about it. What was it? It was this model named Carissa Pinkston who pretended to be trans. <gasps> yeah. What? Yeah. But then I just saw an article about it this week. I don't know why the article was this week. Now I can't find that article anymore. But I just now Googled it to like pull up it, pull up another article so I could like read the story from the article. And all the articles are from like July and August 2019. Anyway, but so I really only have one thing to talk about. Okay, well, I guess first we should acknowledge how sad it is about the passing of Larry Kramer. Yes. I will never fully be able to comprehend the work that he did for the community. Like, I, and I'm very privileged in that he kind of, him and everybody that was alive at that time, like set up a world for me. And I'm, I'm very fortunate and privileged to know only that what this world is. When I heard about his passing, the first thought that crossed into my head was good. We won't get that terrible play that he was writing about the AIDS epidemic and coronavirus. And then I thought about it and I was like, okay, yes, I'm actually glad that, that that play will never exist. But also I was so moved by the fact that he was literally an activist until the end. Like it wasn't like he was an activist for, for a short amount of time is famous for it. And then has since just been kind of like sitting on his back porch in the woods. He's been like, he's, he's been literally trying to better the world until the end, even if I didn't want it. (laughs) And what's funny is David, our PA uh, text me the exact same thing. Five minutes later <laughs> about how he was glad that we weren't going to get that play. <laughs> but and then we, and then we talked about like how um, like moving it was that the play like was a thing that he even thought to do. And so, yeah, that's what I, that's what I have to say about Larry Kramer. Oh, I just got a notification that my book has arrived. Fantastic. Ooh. It's a book about AIDS. So. Uh, wow. I don't really have anything to say that you didn't already say. It is really moving that, I mean, Yesterday, obviously, everyone was, or two days ago, everyone was obviously posting tributes about him. And so many of them were him still at rallies and doing things at age like 70, age 75. And that's just really moving to see that you're right, he never stopped. Like, there are a lot of people who were activists who, after like the change they wanted came about they just sort of retired but not like him and the rest of act up you know there everyone who was in act up is still either if if they're alive everyone who who is in act up is still like fighting which is so important i guess it's time to rewatch the normal heart on hbo i just ordered his book that i'm not going to say the title of to reread Oh, really? Yeah. That's not the one that just I, arrived. Different book just arrived. I, I, always, I always wanted to read that book, but everybody has always told me that I would not like it. Yeah, you wouldn't. Well, I'll have 
fun reading it. <laughs> I will. We also have to acknowledge that Costa Rica became the first nation in Central America to recognize same-sex marriages. That was my only news story to share. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I just took your thunder. Would you like to say it? No, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the first couple to get married was a lesbian couple, and they're both hot, honestly. Oh, my God, of course. They, They are. Look them up and see if you disagree. Oh, they're very cute. Right? Very, very cute. Oh, and they had a nighttime wedding. Yeah. All of them. Congrats, ladies. I'm so proud of them. I wish they were my friends. <laughs> oh, they got married just after midnight. That's so cute. And do you see the picture? There's a really funny picture of the lawyer marrying them who's wearing a mask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's cute. I think that, well, I guess maybe their colors were included red because I'm like, I would have been like, no, you gotta coordinate with my colors. Bridezilla over here. Yeah. I have a family member who's getting married and one of my really good friends is getting married. So there's been a lot of wedding talk recently. So I cannot (laughs) believe that this person is wearing a red mask. I'm sure red was one of their colors. Yeah, there's some red in the bouquet, so. Okay, so moving on to kind of a bigger topic. On Instagram, I sent you a post that Gigi Good posted. Gigi Good of RuPaul's Drag Race, who today, actually, we find out who wins Drag Race. Very curious, very excited. Um, and Gigi's finalist, and she posted kind of this, like, longer post And at first I was like, oh yeah, we can reference it and then just tell everybody to go read it. But since that post has been posted, people have started responding to it, some of which in the drag community and some some in the community at large. And I think it's a very interesting topic and I I wanna like talk about our takes on it. So I guess to introduce that, Jay, would you mind reading Gigi's post? Yeah, do you want me to read the whole thing? Yes, please. Okay. Buckle up, divas. I want to get some things off my chest. I'd like to take some time to discuss my recent struggles regarding the responsibilities that come with the kind of platform I've been given. As I've mentioned before, staying up to date on current events has never been my strong suit. I really want to make it clear that I am in no way apathetic about the horrific events that are happening in a world plagued by social inequity and cruelty. I think they're so reprehensible and sickening that I'm often overwhelmed by them, which is what makes me shut it all out. I also find it difficult to speak on issues like this eloquently, and at times I really don't consider myself qualified to contribute to the conversation. However, my anxiety can't excuse willful ignorance, it just explains it. As I navigate this new lifestyle, I understand that part of my job description is to keep myself informed and educated. Every day is a new opportunity to learn and grow, and it's an opportunity I intend to take going forward. I'm beyond lucky to have the kind of audience that I have, but it's not something I could ever have imagined for myself. If I could turn back time and tell myself two years ago that I'd be on the world stage, maybe I could have better prepared for it. But I guess at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. What does matter is that I now take the time to develop my voice, not just creatively, but politically and socially as well. I can't help but think back to the ending of my favorite movie, The Wizard of Oz. As Dorothy prepares to leave Kansas, Glinda tells her she's been able to leave all along. When asked why she couldn't have told Dorothy this earlier, she responds, she wouldn't have believed me. She had to learn it for herself. I have to learn these lessons for myself. I ask respectfully for your patience and understanding as I continue to learn, grow, and change on this journey we're all strapped into. XOXO, Gigi. 
Thank you. No uh, problem. I am kind of like taken by this whole statement. And I know there's a lot to unpack in it, but I want to start with like, this wasn't in response to Gigi, like negative or Gigi getting any kind of like negative feedback on something she posted or like maybe she made the wrong move or said the wrong thing. Like it wasn't that she's just kind of coming forward being like, Oh, I'm like not ready for this. So I, which kind of like makes the whole thing very interesting to me, but I, I want to know, I want to talk about our takes on it. Yeah, that's interesting because when I, when you sent it to me and I read it, I assumed that she had done something. And that this was like an apology or a follow-up to the things she had done. Basically, it's more that Gigi wasn't really saying anything about it. And the other Drag Race girls obviously, like, were. And people were, I think people were getting frustrated that somebody who right now they're, like, kind of hyping up so that they that Gigi could possibly win Drag Race is then, like, not speaking up and doing the things that now we, like, expect from drag queens almost, at least beyond, like, an entertainment value. So so I think Gigi was kind of, like, getting ahead of the curve almost. That makes sense. But yeah, there's a lot going on here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my first reaction after my reaction of, like, uh-oh, I wonder what she did, this statement is coming from a place of such privilege be like I don't really follow what's going on in the world I don't know how to keep up with what's going in the going on in the world and it's like maybe that's because nothing going on in the world affects you if that makes sense no yeah it's it's funny because I have the same feeling towards it but all but then at the same time relate to it so much but it's it's kind of something that I've already overcome in a sense like when we started the podcast it literally, like, the, the idea for this podcast literally spawned from you teaching me about something that I didn't know a lot about that, like, was rooted in activism. Uh, and, like, anybody listening that isn't doesn't know what I'm talking about, Jay and I sat down and Jay, like, walked me through art in the AIDS epidemic, which then, like, later became an actual episode of the podcast. Yeah. So I'm like, I... I feel like pre not previous to that specific moment. And I feel like I've been doing it my whole life, but like I kind of went to you and was like, I actually don't know a lot about this whole time and like the way the AIDS epidemic worked and who was involved and like, nobody ever taught me that. And so you, I went to you and you were like, great, I'll teach you. And you, and then you taught me. And then I was like, great. And then I feel like ever since we've been using our, our platform to, give that back almost to everybody, but also like open a lot of doors and talk about it and like use a platform. We like created a platform to ourselves in order to like talk about things rather successfully. I might add, at least in like the, like the success of the episodes. Like I feel like we've been having like really good conversations and I feel like regardless of fame, being a drag queen gives you a platform because you're the one with the mic. And so I feel like it's naive of someone to think that all drag is is like pretty makeup and and dancing in clubs because there's so much more behind it. Yes, you don't have to be like an activist queen like Bob the Drag Queen who's like been out there pounding the pavement for so long. But like you at least have to have some sort of general knowledge of what's going on in the world and to not is ignorant. 
But I relate so much to the post because I like understand what she's saying. Like I was that person. I get that. I think there's a big difference between her and you though. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I think, I think I was that person and then did something about it. Yeah. But also you were that person and did something about it before you even had a platform. Yeah, that's true. When you started educating yourself, we, the podcast wasn't even in our minds and Gigi, knowing that you're going on RuPaul's, like, I read some of the comments and I learned that Gigi is 22, which means that, like, she grew up watching Drag Race. And Mm -hmm. so she had to have known that you go on Drag Race and even if you're eliminated the first day, you get a major, major platform. Oh, absolutely. And so to be like, I didn't realize that I was going to have to do all this is sort of like you didn't. You're a child who grew up watching Drag Race. How did you not realize that you would get a big platform and that when you have a platform, people expect you to. And especially because she has chosen to get a platform as a drag queen and not as like an actor or just like an influencer, because people do expect drag queens because drag is inherently a political act. People do expect drag queens to have politics publicly. Mm -hmm. And so, again, she should have known that in advance. Going on a national television show that is watched all around the world and thinking that people won't... This whole thing has kind of been bringing up a lot of questions about celebrity in my my mind because it's, it's crazy to me to think that, like, okay, like, Gigi Good is basically a very talented look queen. And so if what Gigi wants people to come to her and follow her for are her looks, that's great and amazing. But those people will then in turn trust her, follow her opinions, listen to her, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so that, I correct me if I'm wrong, but that's sort of where that door opens to cool, you have a great face and your looks are always great, but what else do you think? What else should I be thinking? Because everything else you do is so like-minded to me. And so I, and that's not like a hidden secret to celebrity. Like that's what happens, right? Right. And I, I just don't understand, I don't, I don't get the disconnect. Like where it's like, all I expect from celebrity is to show off how good my face is. And, like, that's awesome and great. But I feel like we li- we're we living in a time where, like, that's no longer enough. And I'm not saying Gigi did anything wrong. And I'm not, like, condemning her. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, like, I can't believe you thought this was a different job. I mean, and it's also to think that being a celebrity is just showing off your face is sort of ahistorical. Because yeah. drag queens... And quote-unquote cross-dressers and people who would today be trans women were, like, at the forefront of the queer rights movement and were literally responsible. I mean, yes, she's white, and it was mostly trans women of color and black trans women. If you know anything about Stonewall, you know that it was started by trans women and drag queens and quote-unquote cross-dressers. And so then to be like, but being a drag queen is just about being pretty. It's sort of like, 
have you read a book? And I will say, like, Gigi is my favorite queen of the season. Like, she's campy, she's beautiful, she's funny, she's talented, she's a dance. Like, she ticks every box. But it's kind of at this point in the... I'm, I'm also, like, framing this in a sense of, like, where we are in Drag Race at this point. And I'm like, Gigi was my top pick to win because she executes drag so, so, so well. But for for me to be like, oh, yeah, you're my top, but you don't understand, at, like, all it actually does and takes to, to, like, fill those shoes and be a drag queen, I, like, then maybe don't want you to be America's next drag superstar and walk away with $100,000. Yeah. Um, I would rather, you know... Jackie Cox win who wore um a full like a like Muslim inspired look on the runway and like then like actually made a political statement I don't think drag needs to be a political statement at all times but you're right like drag in it in and of itself as an act is a political like statement but kind of twisting this so where do you like almost okay so one of the responses that I want to highlight was by your girl, Peppermint. <gasps> Peppermint! She is my girl. She posted, like, tweeted and then reposted that tweet on Instagram. And she said, I follow lots of queer, quote, artists. It bothers me the lack of public acknowledgement about what's going on here. And right now, everyone isn't an activist. But even as artists, if you aren't reacting to your surroundings and reflecting that back, what are you doing? What do you want out of it? And I was like, that's actually so valid. Yeah, I think that's a great response. Yeah, like how how are you a drag queen, which is an art, and not reflect, like I, I, I had not perceived it that way. And then when Peppermint tweeted that, I was like, oh, fuck, okay, go off. <laughs> um, and then almost immediately... After this was kind of a whole journey for me that started with the with the GG post. Right after that, I saw that Janelle Monet, I guess, partnered or created or like is supporting Wonder Lunch. It's that like I don't know too much about it, but I know that it's basically free like prepackaged meals. They are for everyone. You like pre-register for a meal and then you go and pick it up the day that it's available. Um which sounds complicated, but I I opened the website and it's really not. Um, and it's like on these specific days, on like certain times, like all over the place. And I was like, shit, like she's someone who has a platform and like is going far, like above and beyond to uh, give back in every other way she can. I'm not saying that she's the only celebrity out there doing it, but I'm like... Okay, like, as somebody, like, say you're somebody who just wants celebrity, then you're looking at other celebrities being like, look at all the shit that they're doing, I should step up as well. So I, I like, don't understand how Gigi can just be like, oh, I didn't know I had to say something. Yeah, and totally. like, And I didn't because I felt uncomfortable. Like, why not even just be like, hey, I actually don't feel super educated in ways that I can help. Can someone, like, point me in a direction and then I will tell all of my followers. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, in, in this day and age, um, 
not to say that, but also in this day and age, it's really easy to just repost something someone posted. Even if you're if you're not gonna write a long thing or if you don't feel comfortable like giving money because you don't know where to give money, there are just like Instagram posts that are like every time something happens, there's an Instagram post that just says justice for whatever and then it's like a picture of the thing that happened or there's like that pic like there are those pictures of like the cops with their knee on the guy's neck and then like Colin Kaepernick kneeling and it's like this is because of this like just repost one of those and then no one will know that you're not that you have no idea what's going on honestly yeah I mean (laughs) I mean yeah that's like a terrible like process of activism but it's still something it's some kind of like some sort of acknowledgement that's like I understand that something is going on in the world that sucks and I obviously am on the right side of history with it done. Yeah. But I do think that it's like it, I don't know. I think it's just because I do under, I like relate to it in some way where I'm like, you know what? It's well said she, because there was no harm done before it, I was like, okay, (laughs) I just wish that there was, and I do like that she's like, I'm learning and growing and I now realize that this is something that I have to do and I will be stepping up and doing this thing. So I'm not, I'm I'm like not condemning her and saying that she's in the wrong, but it is definitely a very privileged way of putting it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the last thing I want to say about it that I just sort of realized right now is I'm looking at the post again, and she doesn't say, I need to start educating myself because that's the right thing to do. She says, I need to start educating myself. I mean, she doesn't directly say this, but she basically, like, the meaning of the post is, I need to start educating myself because that's my responsibility to do so. And so she's clearly coming at it from a place of, like, oh, the fans want me to talk about this, and not, like, I need to Also, what's crazy to me about that is, I know you haven't been watching, but every episode of this season of Drag Race. At the end of every episode of Drag Race, RuPaul is like, let the music play. And then a RuPaul song plays and they all like dance off the stage. And every episode this season, they've been dancing off with these big cardboard cutouts that say like, go vote, like rock the vote. Here's a website where you can register to vote. And like all of the, all of this stuff. And it's not like overly political. It's still very like cute and fun, but like, she literally took place in that all season. And then even in the season, they did a debate. They met AOC. They did, there was a, and then there was one other like political challenge. I forget what it was. Um, and so I'm like, this is not new to you. Like you didn't not know. I guess now you do at least. Yeah. So the other thing I wanted to talk about, which is like a total, total shift in gears, is I watched Out on Disney+. Plus. Oh, the little short film? Yeah, it's it's nine minutes, which is great, great time for a short film. <laughs> you know what? It's adorable and not what I expected to be about at all. It's about a magical cat and a magical dog Aww. that both gay and very sassy. Oh my god! And, and they come down to earth, beam or they're beamed down to earth via rainbow. 
I'm not making this up. <laughs> oh my God. And they're standing on this hill and they see the main guy and his dog like loading up a car and it, they're like moving out of the house. And the cat is like, like says something like, oh, like we're going to like give them a little bit of magic to like help them out and it's super sexy and the dog is like yeah let's do it so they give the the dog of the main character a magical leash or like a magical collar <laughs> I'm, I'm not making this up so they give him a magical collar and the dog like runs into the house and you see that the main guy like has a boyfriend and they're in the process of moving in together, but they're uh, they're like leaving their hometown and they're moving into a city. So the the main guy's boyfriend opens up a sock drawer and there's a picture of the two of them. I'm not going to tell you the whole thing. I just okay, was kind of setting it up. <laughs> I was um, like, are we just getting the whole plot? <laughs> no. So he so he opens the the sock drawer and there's a picture of the two of them together, like cuddling and like drinking hot cocoa, and the main guy is like, oh, my God, wouldn't it be so funny if my parents showed up? Like, that would be crazy, right? And then the parents show up. Oh, my God. And he's like, oh, my God. And, like, hijinks ensues. And, they, and he's like, I have to get you out before my parents see you. And he, like, kicks the, his boyfriend out through the back door. And these are, like, grown men. And he, before he leaves, the boyfriend is like, you have to tell your parents before we, like, move. And he turns around, and when he turns around, or I guess he lets the parents in, and then he turns around, and by some leap of magic, the collar ends up going on to... Oh! Oh, I remember how. Sorry. <laughs> I know this sounds crazy, but the magical cat, like, snaps his little paw, and the collar, the magical collar falls off of the dog, and the owner picks it up, and then it, like, snaps onto his neck. And the dog and the gay guy change bodies. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> it's crazy. And the, the so the man through the whole thing is, like, running around like a dog. And the dog is freaking out because the mom is, like, consistently almost finding the picture while she's trying to help him move. And so the dog is like trying to keep her from seeing the picture, but also trying to like contain his body that's being controlled by a dog. <laughs> it's so crazy. Did I cry at the end? I did. Oh my God, that's insane. And don't worry, the magical cat, the magical gay cat and the magical gay dog do make another appearance. Oh, thank God. But it was very, very sweet. It was really... um kind of moving they never say the word gay which bothered me oh what they say what they do is they like use pronouns to their advantage there's a line that the main guy says where he's like okay he's like let me practice mom dad i'm i can't say it and he's like this is my boyfriend and he's, he's like kind of upset with himself because he knows that that's not what he should be saying and then later, the mom says something to the effect of, I, I just hope that you're happy no matter who he is. And then there's this, like, recognition of, like, oh, she knows. And then later, when the parents do, spoiler, like, meet the boyfriend, it's 
there's no dialogue. It's all over top of music or under music. So they, they like get away with never saying the word gay through all nine minutes of this plot. It's weird. That's kind but, of annoying. Yeah, I was like, once again, Disney, you like take one step forward and half a step back. Yeah. But other than that detail, very cute, very sweet, kind of like a baseline story of somebody coming out interracial couple magic Disney like loved it (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know it was an interracial couple yeah I mean his boyfriend only has like six lines but I mean six lines in a nine minute short film is great yeah that's a lot actually most of the lines are just like oh no and like barks (laughs) (laughs) okay so I guess that's really all the news we have to talk about this week besides I mean, I think we would be remiss to talk about people using their platform and not say, and not use ours. Okay. And I I don't want to get too into it because while I think that it is white people's problem to fix, I, I feel like my voice is not necessarily the one that needs to be heard. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I So agree. I... So, so I, while I don't want to spend like a whole episode talking about it and getting into the details that everybody can Google and probably knows at this point, I just want to say that it if it's shocking to me that this kind of thing still happens, I can't imagine what it, I, I can't even fathom like what it must feel like to be a member of a community that is not white faced with this kind of like racism and bigotry. Yeah. And... And I don't understand how we as a country can go through so many public traumas, be it at like these huge acts of violence or school shootings or like whatever it is, and like go through multiple of them like time and time again and like watch the same thing unfold every time and be A, surprised and B, be mad about it and then go on and nothing really changes or happens until the next one happens. And so I guess I'm kind of at this point with it where I'm like, okay, obviously the things that I was, that I was doing that are not helping, we're not helping or or we're not strong enough. So I'm kind of like, if I need to be somewhere in order to help this ease or go away or something, because I know it will always be there, but for any of this to just kind of like stop, like tell me when and where to be there and I will be there. Like that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have anything to say. Yeah. And I'm like, I feel like I, like we, I I, like, I don't want to pat ourselves on the back at all because I feel like there's always something more that we could be doing, but I feel like we always strive to keep the, keep the podcast as aware as possible. And I, I don't know. I just wish that this wasn't a topic that we consistently had to talk about. I guess this week's been a pretty sad week. (laughs) Yeah, I just don't, I just, I just don't think we should talk about it, honestly. What do you mean? Like, I just, I feel like our voices are really not the ones that need to be heard. And we should just amplify voices that need to be heard, like, on our social media. Anyway, I hope everybody has, oh wait, no, we're definitely not done. (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about Douglas. 
Yes, I was like, okay, well, I guess everybody like have a good weekend. But no, 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 we watched Douglas this week. I want to hear your opinion on it because that was kind of like the big to do with doing this. Yeah. So as someone who didn't watch Nanette and probably will not watch Nanette, I didn't like it. Interesting. Um, I just didn't like her style of comedy is just like not my style of comedy. I feel like she relied a lot on something I think is so annoying. I think she did a lot where just yelling is the punchline, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Uh, no. Like in the dog park story, she would be like talking about the dog park and then she'd just yell, in a dog park! And I would be like, yeah, I know. You can't just make the punchline something louder. And she did it a lot in the like classical art section. It was a lot of like just repeating. It's, it's, what it is is it's like, repeating yourself but louder is the punchline and people think it's so funny like the audience would go crazy interesting because that's not how I took it how did you take it because she doesn't really do that in the net and in this I took it more as like she set up the character of a like straight white man in the beginning being somebody that like pops off and yells and so there were so many times in it where I was like oh she's giving us the like like she's referencing back to that character as opposed to like doing it. But I will say she definitely did that with the dog park where like everybody's laughing and it starts to die down and she says it again and everybody starts laughing again. Like that definitely happened. I, I get what you mean. I'm talking about something else. <laughs> there were definitely times where she was calling back to the like pop off thing, but there were other times where literally the punchline would just be yelling the thing she already said, which to me is like, that's just not funny. And I didn't get the Louis C.K. joke. I got the whole set it up at the beginning and then it's the last joke thing, but I didn't get the joke itself, which was really annoying, really like frustrating to me. You didn't? No, I didn't get it. I didn't get why that picture of a baby was a picture of Louis C.K. Oh, it was like a really, it was a really like gross joke. It was because the baby was touching itself. Oh, then the... In In front of everybody. I see. In that case, the cinematography was bad because I couldn't see the picture of the baby. It, it When she said that and then put the mic down, I was like, wait, what? And then I was like, oh, oh, that's not the joke I would have been expecting. Yeah. And then it was over and I was like, oh, 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 that's it. Yeah, I thought it was a weird way to end it. I definitely think it's not as, I don't want to say it's not as good as Nanette because Nanette was definitely different than this. This was more... This was a lot more comedy than the net was. Um, and I I loved it. I think it's basic I think it's more a taste thing. Like I yeah. I think she's really funny and I'm not saying that that's wrong or right. I I I also think it's so cool like how she makes light of inclusion. Like there were, were so many times in it where when she would give like the male perspective and the female perspective and then the non-binary perspective. Mm-hmm. And it was, I, I never felt like she was being like, and the fun part of the joke is that there's a non-binary perspective. It's just kind of like, oh, and also this perspective is funny. Does that make sense? Or did I just say the same thing twice? You said the same thing twice. <laughs> Like, I, the joke was not that she was including a non-binary perspective. It was that the non-binary, non-binary perspective, like, was also funny. Yeah. That I get. Okay, there we go. 
You would think for someone who's co-hosted a podcast for basically five years would have some sort of like <laughs> clear way of speaking. <laughs> yeah. I also think that she's my favorite lesbian comic. Okay. I know she's not your most attracted to one though. Oh. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Once again, I say a bunch of words that should not belong together in a sentence. <laughs> I know what you mean, and no one else will know what you mean. Yep, not at all. Yeah, and I I like how she, or like, I, I know that it's not everybody's taste, but I like that she kind of has a structure to her comedy that a lot of comedians don't use because it's not their kind of, it's not what they're good at. Like, I like how she kind of, like, infuses her comedy with all of these messages that she's trying to get across to vast amounts of people um, yeah I just like the structure and I like how she'll I, I like the bit of her structure where she'll be like here's this thing and why it's bad and how it relates to everybody and here's a joke so that you understand why it's bad which makes me feel every time that I watch it there there's never something new that I learn but every time like not every time that I watch it every time that I see her there's always something where I'm like oh I never looked at it that way and that was funny, but also now I have a new perspective on it. But yeah, she's not, she's definitely not like a, let's go out on a Saturday night and go see Hannah Gatsby. It also rubbed me the wrong way when she was like, my haters who are exclusively men. It always makes me annoyed when, when someone says something like that, when someone is like, when someone implies that the only reason you might not like them is because you're racist or you're sexist or you're transphobic when it's like, well, people can actually have valid critique as well. That's very true. I do think she was referencing that like in, in that this one was kind of quote about her having, or uh, having autism. The first one is about how much men suck. Uh And then when it came out, everybody was like, oh, not everybody, all the people that wrote her bad reviews were all men. There were no female reviewers. And Netflix got, Netflix, and uh, basically all of these like news sites got called out for it. And then all of these like female reviewers were like, oh, like she's speaking to us and all of the other crit- critics are insane. But I do agree with you that like, I know off the top of my head, I know three female friends of mine that don't think that she's funny and don't like her necessarily. They don't, they're not like out there being like, no, don't go watch Nanette. But they're definitely like, eh, not like not my face. That makes more sense if that's like drawing from an actual experience. That, yeah, I think that that's really the only thing that tied in that would have been like, oh, you would have had to like know what Nanette was about. But otherwise, I thought that that Douglas could have been watched without it. Um, Definitely. And I really like how she she really puts herself at the front of every joke. Like every like I don't know how to put it. She like the show. The show is so much always about her that she it's just like cool seeing somebody put themselves on the line so much. I know that's like not really what any of this is for, but I, I think it's really interesting. Yeah, I guess I see what you mean. But this is a great segue into that was on Netflix. And while Netflix has a, a good selection of LGBT media, we just found out that Hulu has a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's true. Hulu has a whole treasure trove. 
yeah, of some of some good stuff. You know, if you were a person that listened to the last season of the podcast and did not watch Vita in Virginia, it's on Hulu now. So now you know what you're doing this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so next week we've decided to watch a movie that is on Hulu. So I'm sorry to everybody that doesn't have Hulu, but we're going Hulu this week. Yes. And we're going to be watching I've Already Forgotten. Oh, my God. You think, uh, it's called Adam. Oh, right, 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 right. The controversial film Adam. I know very, very little about it. All I know is that there was a year for Christmas where I asked for book suggestions from you for my cousin, and Adam was one of them. Yes, and I really liked were, the book. And you were like, yeah, you were like, it's a little weird because of the setup but it's a really good book. And I was like, okay. And then we did an episode with a critic from IndieWire who is A, in the movie, and B, was like, oh, like, I'm really excited for it. I'm curious to see if they can pull it off because it's such a weird story. And then I I remember the movie coming out. I don't remember anybody seeing it. So I'm, I'm all in. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm interested. I'm interested. (laughs) (laughs) i mean it wouldn't be the first uncomfortable or controversial trans movie we've ever talked about on the podcast that's very true (laughs) i don't even know the first thing about explaining this movie to everybody so you might just have to trust us in in thinking that it's a movie worth the time watching so that we can discuss it next week and i also want to say when we say that we're watching it, we're not saying it's a great film or like the process by which it was made is awesome. We're just saying we're watching it. Next week, we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Because I don't want people to be like, you're endorsing this movie. Like we're not. We literally know nothing about it. Yeah. And we'll be talking about it next week, whether or not like our thoughts on it, whether or not it was good. I will say, I don't think we've found something that both of us have liked we found stuff that's been fun to talk about but i don't know we if we like watched something good. That oh yeah i like feel, yeah i did like feel good that was fun and sad and funny. so yeah I, I guess i re- i retract that statement okay so i guess next week we'll be talking about adam on hulu we will be talking about chromatica i assume yeah because because that comes out today and all of the happenings of next week, because I'm sure there's going to be a lot. <laughs> I mean, hopefully there'll be more news than there was this week. So, yeah, I guess we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye.